Good morning from Guangzhou, China. I'm Richard Gottlieb. And I'm Chris Byrne, and welcome to this episode of The Playground. We are all the way on the other side of the planet from where we usually are. Why are we here? We are here. <laughs> That's a good question. We are. Why are we here? We are here for the Guangzhou International Toy and Educational Fair, uh, which is a very, very large consumer show for uh, Chinese retailers. Yeah, it's mostly, it mostly addresses the domestic market, but there are a lot of international brands here we've seen, uh, but a lot of really homegrown products as well. Well, um, you know, I was here last year, so I'm going to ask you uh, to give me your opinion. I, I just feel like this is a really good-looking show. It, it's really great. The, the spaces are big, the, the products are well displayed. I think that one of the things that really impresses me is the level of industrial design and uh, that's gone into everything here. There's some really beautiful toys here. Well, beautiful toys and I think beautiful exhibits. I, I was, uh, uh, I have found in the past, sometimes when I would go to shows, particularly in Asia, uh, that the, uh, if you're hearing background noise, it's because we are literally in the middle of the convention center. Uh, I've been to shows where I just feel like the booths look cookie cutter and they just, one blends into the other. And it's not like that here. This is a very high design in terms of the exhibition spaces themselves. Absolutely, and I, and I think that there's a lot of, of real sensibility to it. And in talking to some of the manufacturers, what, what really is, is interesting is how much they're emphasizing design and trying to be more innovative because traditionally even some of the manufacturers said a lot of what they did was copy ideas from around the world and produce them efficiently, but now they're really starting to invest in how to innovate and design and create their own IP. Well, Chris, you are the toy guy and uh, you have made a career out of really studying uh, toys themselves, uh, the product. Uh, so let me ask you, um, uh, in general, uh, are you seeing things that, that you, do you, are you seeing the same things you're seeing in Nuremberg and Hong Kong and, and New York, or are you seeing uh, different things? Well, I'm seeing, I'm seeing similar types of play, whether it's bubbles or educational or, or things that work with apps and tablets, but what I'm seeing are companies that we don't see elsewhere. These are, these are domestic Chinese companies, and if you just go to Hong Kong, you see these companies in sort of 10 by 10 booths, and you think, okay, this is a little bitty company. How wrong you can be, because some of these are, are, are really big companies that have high brands, and, and many of the companies we see in Hong Kong, they're OEM, they're original right. equipment manufacturers for some of the toy companies. Here, they're showcasing their own brands and hoping uh, perhaps to play on a world stage. Well, I, I think a, a really important uh, message, I think, coming out of the, this show this year is the amount of... Uh, uh, intellectual property being created in China, both in terms of toys and in terms of uh, cartoon shows, etc. Now, one of the concerns that uh, Western companies have always had is about intellectual property protection in China. Uh, my feeling, Chris, is that with the rise of a lot of homegrown intellectual proper properties, that the importance of enforcing uh, intellectual property protection laws has gotten to be far more important to the Chinese themselves. What, what is your take on that? 
Absolutely, and, and the corollary to that is that in the past 10 years or so, I've seen a greater understanding of licensing throughout uh, Hong Kong and now in China. So companies are understanding that if they, if they take a license and respect the intellectual property, they have a greater opportunity than if they copy something or try to do something that's, that's very similar because they get all of the value of being a licensee. Well, I thought what was really interesting to me, and, I, and it probably stuck out to me more than anything, uh, was uh, Chris and I um, were at a uh, roundtable yesterday, which, which I uh, emceed. Uh, when we had folks there from uh, Taiwan, China, Hong Kong, Korea, United States, uh, and um, in speaking about Chinese consumers, someone said, and the others agreed, that, for example, no one wants to buy a product that's not, as an example, a Lego product, because if they buy something that's a copy of a brand, they are ashamed. Yeah. Did that strike you, that term, ashamed? It, it did strike me, and I think, I think that speaks to the power of branding and the power of a company like Lego that has, that has worked to build an international brand. It's just like Hong Kong when you see Prada or Louis Vuitton or, or any of that. I think that the Chinese especially are very conscientious about branding, uh, perhaps even more than some people in the U.S. are. And so having those high-end brands really does convey a status. You know, one of the things that you had in your presentation that I thought was so interesting was comparing the, the U.S. and the Chinese toy market. And while the U.S. has many fewer children, we spend a lot more money per capita on toys per year. And you see that as an opportunity in the Chinese market. Yeah, well, I, 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 we spend on average about $550 a child, and the Chinese spend on average about $50 a child. So what I think is significant about that is there's a lot of talk now about the growth in population in China uh, due to them ending the one-child policy. Um, but I think what's more significant is getting that figure, that per capita spend up, because that's where uh, I think a lot of uh, revenue increases are going to come from, particularly uh, for Western companies that enter this market and are bold enough to bring in some higher-priced products. Uh, which, which and there is a significant percentage of the population in China that has the money to spend on these premium products. Absolutely, and, and you know it's not going to take that much when you look at it against the you know as a function of population. You, you end up spending ten dollars more per child. That's yeah, going to be it's a huge. monumental huge jump. because you've got like two hundred and thirty million children <laughs> yeah. in China. So, uh, and, and proportionally, I think we got like 30-some million in the United States. So you can see how, how, how big that is, a difference. Uh, like Chris just, like you just said, if you just get a $10 or a $5 increase per child, it's huge. And I think, that, I think that's untapped potential, and I think that's a lot of what uh, a lot of these companies here are, are going after. Um, you know, and there's another thing that, that Joe Hall, we mentioned earlier, she was talking about the, the Chinese market. The buying season is not... Like in the U.S., we are so fourth quarter focused. Yes. But she was saying that they're not prisoners of that fourth quarter, no. that fourth quarter spend. Well, they, they have Children's Day, uh, which is, I think, the biggest day of the year. In June, yeah. Yeah, that's the biggest day of the year for, for spending on kids. Uh, they've got their summer business is enormous. Uh, Chinese New Year in January. Chinese New Year in January. Another big spending time. 
So they don't have the concerns that we have in the U.S. where we're roughly 60% of our revenue uh, accrues in the fourth quarter of the year. They don't have that. Right, and I, and I think that there's, there's more opportunities throughout it. And Joe was show, showing us pictures of, of Toys R Us here in, in uh, Asia and how people were lining up for things and how you know, this is sort of a year-round. And, and that they invest very heavily in events and reasons for people to come into the store. Yes, yeah. Well, I, I had an opportunity to uh, visit some Toys R Us stores in China. And I was, uh, not this trip, but before, and I was just blown away. And I, and I thought to myself, how come the Toys, in, the, store, the Toys R Us stores in the United States never looked like this? These were... Um, very good-looking, heavily merchandised stores with a much bigger variety of product. And and I thought a lot more excitement going on in the store. And they're, they're much smaller stores over here. I mean, they're, they're not the big sort of toy supermarket that Charles Lazarus envisioned in, you know, in the late 40s. But they, they are they're very focused, they're very merchandised, and interestingly enough, she talked about her merchandising strategy so that it goes across the entire platform uh, of stores, online, Instagram, Alibaba, WeChat, all of the different ways that they integrate the ways that consumers can interact with their product. And I think that's an important lesson for U.S. manufacturers and uh, retailers as well. Yes. I thought another interesting uh, speaker we had uh, was uh, Selena Shi, uh, who is in charge of uh, production for the Tencent uh, Kids Channel. Right. Uh, and she was talking uh, about um, uh, what they've been doing. I, I don't know if Americans realize just how huge Tencent is. They are a multi-platform uh, company, uh, streaming video, television shows, gaming. Uh, I think they own WeChat, the uh, uh, kind of the equivalent of texting uh, meets Facebook, I think. WhatsApp. It's kind of like WhatsApp. Or, right, or, or right. Uh, and uh, I thought that uh, it was a very powerful uh, uh, way to look at the play business, which, which is not traditional physical play. Right. And, and I think that what's, what's really one of the things that I thought was so fascinating was how she was uh, cre creating games out of their content. So... With the, with the vast amounts of content that is trying to attract kids, once you attract a kid, they've gone beyond just passive watching, but they actually engage their, they found mechanisms for engaging their audience. That keeps them deeper in the franchise, opens an opportunity for toys and other things. Okay, Chris, let's talk for a minute about what it's like to attend uh, an event like this in China. Uh, it's a little different than Hong Kong, don't you think? It is. I, th I think one of the, the challenges for me is we get spoiled because we speak English. And pretty much anywhere you go in Hong Kong, people speak, speak English. Yes. And, and here, it's, they don't. And, it's, and communication can be a little bit more difficult trying to understand a product with somebody who I speak no Mandarin or Pudanois. And, and they don't speak English very well. So trying to understand the thinking behind a product uh, is, is, can be challenging. So I, I think the, the, one of the key takeaways, if you come to this show as a, uh, a buyer or a seller, uh, you, you need somebody who can, uh, you need a translator. And uh, the Mess of Frankfurt can get you a, a translator. Uh, they're not expensive, but I think it's a real help. Uh, a hotel uh, is world class. It's one of the nicest rooms I've ever had. Yeah. Uh, food has been outstanding. Uh, a lot of goose. A lot of goose. They eat a lot of goose over here. I uh, had goose tongue. 
which I know, is something I, I'd never had before, and I figured, why not? Yeah, well, I, I, I went with why with not. <laughs> I, uh, I passed on the goose it's tongue. It's kind of like duck flavored beef jerky, is what I would is what I would say. Well, that's a that's a real <laughs> you're a real marketer for the goose tongue industry. Uh, well, maybe we can import those in the United States. So the food was good. Uh, the um, the hotel has been close to, uh, to the uh, event. Now, I will say, and this is big, big news, and I, I think we're probably literally the first people to talk about this, but the show the is... West, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I'm not even sure they've announced it here to the Chinese. The show is moving next year to Shenzhen uh, to the uh, what will be the largest show venue in the world. Right. And it's moving a month, a month earlier into March, because here we are in April. We're right. And we'll it's going to be early March. It's going to be early March, I think around the 8th of March, and uh, just after the Chinese New Year as people are getting back to work, and they feel it's going to be much, uh, facilitate the ordering process with the... Well, well Chris, it, it's going to be all on one level, right. which is amazing. Uh, and in that it will be the largest venue of the world, that would in theory make the venue bigger than Nuremberg, right. but I don't know that the show itself would be bigger than Nuremberg right. by I, any means. I, and I think one of the things we see here is that we don't see everywhere is that the, the number of large booths is really uh, much proportionately, it's much yeah. higher than we see elsewhere. And it's great for showcasing the product. You can actually really see the product. Well, I think next year in Shenzhen uh, they're going to see increases in booth size just because there's going to be a lot more space. Right. Um, now, by the way, um, for those who are not aware, Shenzhen is literally the capital of toy production in the world. Right. Uh, it's about an hour train ride from Hong Kong. Right. Uh, there is an international airport in Shenzhen, so you could uh, fly into Hong Kong, but probably be better off if you can get a direct flight to Shenzhen. Right. Uh, and uh, uh, so that's going to be, uh, I think, very good for people who uh, want to really kill two birds with one stone or two geese with one stone <laughs> by uh, going to Shenzhen and visiting factories and then also being able to attend a, uh, a trade show. And I, and I think it's I think it's going to be very uh, powerful for the domestic Chinese toy industry as well because I think they're going to be uh, more aggressively trying to attract international buyers and I think that the uh, a lot of the, the companies will, who are here have mostly been, as we said earlier, serving the domestic Chinese toy trade. They'll have an opportunity to serve more international buyers who, who are there. Yes. So I think we're going to, we're seeing a, a real um, shift in the buying pattern. So, so what we're looking at really is a Dallas uh, in October, uh, as well as people visiting Mattel and Hasbro at that time. Uh, we have people going to Hong Kong in October. October yep. uh, then, of course, we, we are all coming back in, in January. Uh, then we have Nuremberg and Toy Fair in, in New York Feb February. And now there's going to be this opportunity to uh, come to uh, Shenzhen for this international show in early March. Right, and I, and I think one other thing about this show is that Messe Frankfurt, as they've done in, uh, in Hong Kong, is they're breaking out licensing into its own, its own show. It will be under the same uh, yes. roof. But they're going to have, have licensing there, and we've seen a lot of great properties here, a lot of global properties. Well, you know, speaking of licensing, uh, one of our other speakers was a wonderful Maura Regan, who is the president of Lima, right. the licensing organization. 
Uh, she gave a terrific talk on uh, branding, the importance of branding. Uh, she was kind of a star on the floor. A lot of people Absolutely. were talking to her. Absolutely. Well, she is a star. And she, and, <laughs> but I think she's, she's really leading the charge to um, foster greater understanding of, of licensing, both as a marketing tool and as a, as a business model, and really how to help people uh, do that. And, and you've, you've seen a lot more sophisticated applications of licenses here um, that I've been, very, I've been very impressed with. There's, uh, I'm going to get it wrong, Ben and Holly's uh, Magic Kingdom. That's a property out of the UK. There's some beautiful property product based on that. It's very simple, very appropriate. And, of course, we've seen Paw Patrol and Marvel and all kinds of other things. And it was not Ben and Holly. We tried. <laughs> we tried <laughs> to get it right. And I apologize. And, and, if it's uh, not Ben and Holly. We'll correct it online. <laughs> yes. Chris, uh, again, you are the toy guy, uh, and so you study toys. Did you see anything here uh, that you want to talk about that you really felt kind of stood out? Well, one of the things I, I did see was that there was a lot of great classic play. We've been seeing this in the U.S., but, but because in the Chinese culture, STEM and STEAM are so important, uh, as is English learning, uh, we've seen, I saw some really wonderful electronic uh products is a brand called Sparkler uh, that's a Chinese brand and it, it kind of combines tablet, cell phone play with interactive uh, optical play so kids can actually learn to interact and, and reinforce English lessons and I think that that's, it's really fun because the thing I always say about STEM and STEAM is that if it's not fun it's like doing more homework. But you know Chris what's really funny is um, realizing that uh, uh, Peppa Pig is so popular here that we're going to have a whole generation of Chinese children that are going to grow up speaking English with a British accent. And a very specific British accent. Peppa has a, has a very specific British accent. Yeah. Accent, so, so Peppa Pig's having a huge impact on China. Right. And especially in the year of the pig this year, yeah. there have been all sorts of wonderful, wonderful things based on Seems that. very appropriate. It's, it seems very appropriate. But but I think that, that over and above, like, Outdoor play. Oh, the other thing is that, you know, in the U.S., we are very concerned about guns and weapons. And there was one place here that was promoting uh, gunfight as, <laughs> as working gross motor and physical, right, physical right. Uh, play. And so, so there's not the same level of fear or, or trepidation or fear that your kids are going to be, you know, absorb bad lessons from playing with guns. It's more about action, adventure, and heroism. You know, I really always find it very fascinating that when I go to shows around the world, uh, the preponderance of guns, uh, toy guns, uh, and yet the United States uh, has probably more gun uh, crime than any country in the world. And when you go to an event in the United States, you won't, you pretty much won't see any toy guns. You, you won't see any toy guns and... and <laughs> Conversely, when you come to a culture like this, you don't see real guns. <laughs> right. So it's like a inverse, uh, some kind of inverse thing going on there. Well, I thought it was kind of fascinating. So, but you know, that's just a cultural difference. A lot of these things would not get placement, and a lot of things, you know, that that uh, would not get placement in the United States. So, Chris, one thing we didn't talk about was that also going on at the same time here, under the same roof as the toy and educational fair, is the baby and stroller fair. Right. Uh, and it's a pretty large show itself. Huge. Next year in Shenzhen, that we're going to see um, maternity added to the baby and uh, stroller and show. lifestyle and feeding and all of this stuff. They're going to really 
blow it out to, to incorporate more, uh, more product categories. Yeah. Uh, so, um, Chris, why don't we take a second and kind of just um, summarize. And, and, and let me just say that I, I would say uh, it's been a very positive experience. Uh, this is a uh, China uh, that's changing uh, very rapidly, uh, and I think that we can anticipate seeing a lot of change for the next few years. And I'm predicting that this is where the world toy revenue growth is going to take place. I would absolutely agree because even as we hear reports of millennial and zennials uh, purchasing fewer toys and buying experience, U.S. millennials, in U.S. in the U.S. Here we have uh, a rising middle class and with more disposable income, and what they're spending it on is, to is toys, for, especially for their kids. And God bless them. And I, and I do think that there's a, there's a huge opportunity here, and, and this is a great place to have showcased it, um, and a real pleasure to have been here. So uh, next year, uh, write this down. It's going to be March 6th to 8th uh, at the Shenzhen World Exhibition and Convention Center. Uh, and uh, we hope we'll see you there. And we've got to head to the airport. We've got a 16-hour flight that leaves at 1.30 in the morning. <laughs> now I'm depressed. <laughs> this is Richard Gottlieb. And Chris Byrne, and thanks for listening to The Playground.